Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Got a toes done up with a fingernails matching. Got a toes done up with a fingernails matching. Got a toes done up with a fingernails Being that Matthew Milligan is currently our most frequent guest, we tend to give him a little more leeway with his song choices. That being said, he chose Kid Sister and her minor 2008 hit, Pro Nails. Prior to this episode, neither producer Matt Kelly nor myself had ever heard this song from the Chicago-based artist, which is surprising because it features Kanye West during a very prolific era of his career. But hey, this is what One Hit Thunder is all about, discovering music we may have missed otherwise. So get your toes done up with your fingernails matching and join us for a deep dive into Kid Sister. Welcome 
Welcome back to the show, Mr. Matthew Milligan. I believe you are our most, what would you call it, the, the most frequent guest on One Hit Thunder. Is that the true, Matt Kelly? prolific? I don't it's, know. Is yes. that true? Is that an official title I can yeah, take on? Yeah, it's, it's got to be, like I said, it's either him, Jim, or Paul. We've got to like crunch the numbers, but they're, they're all vying for the top space right now. <laughs> We got to have some sort of a battle of the three of us that we're building to. Well, that's important because when you've been on this many times, we give you a little leeway with your song choices and whether it is actually, you know, could be even classified as the hit part of a one hit wonder. And this this week's choice is definitely pretty sketchy. I'm really I'm surprised that Matt Kelly let this one slide, but we'll, we'll get into it. Why did you let this one slide, Matt? Because technically, she only had one charting hit on a very specific Billboard chart. <laughs> That's why I'm surprised you let it slide. Yes, today we are talking about Kid's sister and her, I guess, hit <laughs> pro nails. But I'm not talking shit because I will. we'll get into it. But I think I came out of the other side of this being, wow, I think I may know why he chose this but but we'll get into it. well why don't we start with that why did you choose this song yeah well the reason why is because i don't know what it was that made this song pop back into my head fairly recently i i thought of it in my mind this is one of those interesting things in my mind this song was a huge hit and really? then i looked into it and that is obviously not true i mean it did get played as we just saw it did chart on a what was it like a hip-hop chart or a pop no, chart or so so this and it's going to get into a game later on today okay okay it peaked at 21 on the billboard hot singles chart which is different than the hot 100 that is a chart based solely on physical copies of singles wow sold. Uh, in 2007, it was the 21 most selling single. Physical copies in 07. Now that's really interesting, isn't <laughs> but, it? But nothing on the radio. Like it had like no radio presence. So, so okay, so this is great. So like I I remembered this song and I was like, oh, I want to listen to that again. And I tried to look it up and I use uh, Apple Music instead of Spotify at home. Me too. And it's not there. Nope. This song is not. not on Apple Music. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. And I looked and I found it on YouTube. And then uh, I did get to check and it is on Spotify. But this song has been largely forgotten, which I thought was fascinating. Because again, in my mind, again, this is like, at the time this came out, this is a Kanye West feature on this track that is at his, arguably his ultimate golden point as an artist it is like smack in the middle of his some of his biggest biggest hits dude this song he did this feature on this song between the releases of good life and flashing lights from the graduation album so you're right like as far as i'm concerned he is i i kind of think the late registration is his ultimate peak but he's still right up there I mean, point. this is like, yeah, and in, in terms of his overall influence, and of course, it's an interesting time we're talking about this because the the Kanye West uh, train continues to go flying off of any track it <laughs> touches for even a second. But right. at this time for him, when this song came out, he is g- golden. Well, it's not truly. just it's not just that Kanye West kind of made Kid Sister Kid Sister. Yes, in the sense that this was just like a small local radio station type song and then Kanye heard it 
and put out a Can't Tell Me Nothing mixtape where he added the song with his verse. And that was what kind of put attention on Kid Sister to get signed because this was the thing I learned was like this was not supposed to be a hit in the sense that this song was released locally in 2007. The Kanye remix came out in early 2008, but her album didn't actually drop until late 2009. So that's a huge. I, I feel wow. like that's another part of why this was kind of it for her was like she made this goofy song. Kanye loved it, did something with it. Radio station gave him attention. Then the record labels are signing her and she's recording the rest of the album. So by the time the rest of the album's done, people have already forgotten about Kid Sister and this Kanye track and everything. And maybe that's why the physical sales of a single did so well because there was just nothing else available. There was no other way to get there. Yeah. Making something exclusive and for a limited time, we will see will be something that comes up again in recent times with Kid Sister. I don't know if you guys know about that at no. all. Very interesting. Well, I don't think I do. I don't think that I do. is why I thought that Matthew chose this song was because of her Ooh. more recent output. But I guess I was wrong. He just rem- <laughs> he remembered it from back then. <laughs> I mean, let me start by saying that one of the first things I thought when you said Kid Sister, and I looked this up. Kid's sister is actually, she was born like a month or two apart from me. So we're the same age. Oh, Kid's, hey, how about that? Kid's sister reminds me of there was a doll called Kid's sister, which was the female version of My Buddy, if you guys happen to know what My Buddy no. is. I don't know oh, My I Buddy. Know, I didn't I know about my buddy, Sister, yeah. though. Well, I, I noticed, again, talking about how obscure this track is, if you Google Kid Sister, you definitely get the toy way yes. more than this person. <laughs> well, way more. Well, well, I almost sent you guys, this is another thing, I almost sent you guys a screenshot because after doing Punchline's 25th anniversary show, I follow the Thunderbird uh, Instagram page, and Kid Sister is playing there this month, really? but not Kid Sister the rapper. Kid Sister, the female indie rock group that drops the E in the word sister. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. See <Okay>. that? <laughs> well, Kid Sister, this is another tie to hip hop with these dolls real quick. So Kid Sister, the My Buddy was this doll. And it was kind of a big doll. It was kind of, it was for boys mostly. And it was like a big yeah thing like it was a couple feet tall my and they had a theme song that went my buddy my buddy wherever i go he goes and then they released the female version which was kid sister kid (laughs) sister wherever i go she's gonna go well what's funny about that is that 50 cent has a song called my buddy that samples that (laughs) my buddy song but his buddy, his my buddy he's singing about is his gun. You I was going to say it has song? to be. <laughs> That's a song. That's like a popular 50 I, Cent song from one of his big albums. So did I. Oh, that's. <laughs> I, I, oh, man. That's so, going to take me some time to process. Yeah. So I know you guys said that you both use Apple Music. I am a Spotify user. And her whole album was on Spotify. So I gave it a listen. Did yeah. you listen to anything besides this track? For oh, I it? did. Uh, yeah, I, I did listen to the record. Um, I found it uh, on uh, on YouTube and, and listened to it. It's not bad, but did you notice the other Kanye West connection on one of the tracks on the debut? No, I didn't. What, what was that? So they do a remake of Queen Latifah's song, Ladies First, called yeah. First Ladies, and it's a duet between her and Estelle, who is another female one-hit wonder with a Kanye West feature yeah, for American, American Boy. boy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, That's wow, I did not song. put that together. Yeah, there you go. 
I got to tell you guys, I'm surprised I didn't know about Kid Sister because I don't think any musician, any artist has ever broken my heart as hard as Kanye West has in the past <laughs> like five or six years. The dude has just smashed because at this time, at this era, I was his biggest fan. If you asked me who my number one favorite artist was, I would usually say Kanye West or yeah. Bjork. Kanye West, Bjork, or Ben Folds. Those were like always my go-to answers that kind of yeah. covered three different styles or whatever. But that's why I'm surprised I don't know this. Matt, even deeper than just uh, the Kanye connection, a big part of this was DJ A-Track. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is the one who brought Kid Sister to Kanye's attention. A-Track was really involved in the late registration and graduation albums. He was a huge influence on the sound of the graduation album. And he eventually started Fool's Gold Records, which he's credited for developing the careers of Kid Cudi and Danny Brown and Flostradamus. Yeah. He was named one of the 50 most important people in EDM by Rolling Stone. He's just a very prolific DJ. Uh, he's appeared on the covers of Billboard and Complex. He's been called the global ambassador of DJ culture. But he was a big part of why Kid Sister was brought to Kanye's attention as well. Plus the Chicago ties of her. The sure. Chicago ties. I, and I want to say something that's going to sound crazy. But like when I was listening to songs on both this debut album and her uh, follow-up album, Kiss and Tell, did you guys get the... She was comparable in her, the way she did her weird verses and the way her voice would like change. She reminded me a lot of early Nicki Minaj in yes, a weird way. Definitely, yeah. definitely, yes. For sure. I thought that she seemed like the tie between the 90s rapper, you know, be like salt. I, I put her like somewhere between salt and pepper and like. Megan the Stallion, like somewhere yeah, in yeah, there, exactly. kid sister needed to happen. Yeah, yeah, because and that's a part of what I was thinking about when I like revisited this song is that there was this time period here where it was like these like pop rap songs yeah. that were just so fun. Like it's basically like club house pop music with rap verses attached to the side. Like the hook of this track is so infectious to me. And I just, I remember it so vividly. It just was like always bouncing around my head. And, you know, not to be, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be too much of an old guy here, but it's just like, this is not very like, this particular sound is not very in right now in hip hop music. And I just, that's what made me think of it. It's like, oh, I miss that. I yeah. miss this particular time period. It's just so fun and uh, like kind of just like wholesome in a way too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Super Bass from Nicki Minaj was a good example of that. And being that Con she was a Kanye protege in a way, I think about his songs that were like that at this yeah, era. Totally. Uh, Touch the Sky, a Stronger and Champion, a Workout Plan from the College Dropout yeah. was much Even like that. Even Flashing Lights, which you talked about earlier, right. definitely hits this kind of a mark, yeah. Yeah, and, and Workout Plan, actually, I believe on her album, at some point, she samples that one of the one of the parts from workout plan is part of one of oh, her songs yeah, too. Oh yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I guess this is all the A track connection is right. coming up in all these different ways. Yeah, right. And uh, and I agree. Yeah, it's not something you hear a lot now. This up tempo, danceable. It's more pop than it is hip hop. More, really? Yeah, more pop than hip hop. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, I was going to uh, say another one. I don't know if you've covered it on this show before, but it also reminds me of, do you guys remember the song Lip Gloss by Lil Mama? I was going to say, this is comparable to Lip Gloss for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's what I, I think of now. I hadn't thought of it until just right now, but it does definitely have some of that on it too. I also kind of compared it. One of the other things that popped into my head, and maybe it's because of the repetitive got her toes done with the fingernails matching, also reminded me of someone we've covered on this podcast already, but Gucci Gucci that has that mm. constant loop of the like one big room full of bad bitches like playing <laughs> over and over again in the background. Yeah. But it, yeah it definitely was a sound. And this, according to Wiki, I couldn't hear this and I used to love this song, but apparently it samples heavily Good Googly Moogly by Project it, It's a single line in the first verse of Good Googly Moogly that he says, toes done up with the fingernails matching and then gotcha. just slowed it down. That song <laughs> for what it's worth. If anyone listening to this has not heard Good Googly Moogly by Project Pat, that will, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, oh I don't God. know what to even my, tell you. My brother and I will text each other the chorus to that song because <laughs> it makes us so happy. Yeah. New Project Pat, Project Pat. I have such a memory of my brother playing me that song and seeing like you have to hear this and both of us just like tears in our eyes <laughs> laughing <laughs> at how ridiculous that was. It's so, so funny. Yeah, no, that's a great song. Um, but as soon as I saw samples, good googly moogly, before I even listened to the song, I was like, all right, here we go. And for anyone who's listening who is like me and didn't know this song, I mean, go listen to it. It's a fun, happy, upbeat pop song, but lyrically... It's about exactly what you think it's about. It's about yeah. getting your toes done up and your, and your fingernails, going to the beauty yeah. shop and getting them done. I mean, basically, that's the there's video not makes like sure a deeper you know meaning that. here. I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think there's any sort of a uh, of a hidden message she's trying to get across. Right. I think this is definitely very, very much. Yeah, she's excited that she has her toes done up and her fingernails are matching. Yeah, right. I, and I do want to call out something about her origin story, which I think is really fascinating. First of all, music was not her original career. She went to college for film. Um, oh. and she actually made two indie films. She made a movie in 2002 called The Guys, which starred Sigourney Weaver, and then made wow. a film in 2003 called The Best Thief in the World that starred Mary Louise Parker. So she like actually made some pretty credible indie films, but wow. she got her start at 26 when her brother was a DJ and asked her to come and like MC the parties that he was throwing. And this is important if you're thinking of the origins of hip hop. Like if you're doing old school 1980s house party yeah. The MC meant that you were up there getting the party hype, spitting verses, but it was always like a fun, laid back atmosphere to what you're doing. And I have a feeling that that's the type of parties that they were throwing. And he was like, hey, you know, my sister has a great personality. It's my kid sister. Let me bring her up here. <laughs> oh, that's the name. Now, I, I, yeah, stupid me. I didn't even put it together. That's wow. That's great. But, but if you think about it through that lens... Like, this totally could be, Chris said, like, this kind of bridges that world of salt and pepper all the way up to Megan the Stallion. And it's like, yeah, this does have that, like, 1980s, you're at a you're at a party and the person's just rapping about getting their nails done that day. Like, it's exactly. just this laid back, fun, goofy, 
no deeper meaning but then there's some like she still has some good lines i i had to laugh at the one lyric where it said the the bubble letters on my butt say fresh because it reminded me of that time period in 2007 when <laughs> everyone had the sweatpants with words on their butts oh yeah <laughs> juicy juicy <laughs> yeah a, a, juicy. Lot, a lot of a lot of a lot of butts that said juicy in this era <laughs> Chris, you should get a pair of those now and wear them on stage one day. <laughs> I always, it always made me a little bit un. Just the word "juicy." You know how like it's like that real unoriginal thing to say that. Oh, I hate the word "moist." I think I heard a Bo, a Bo Burnham stand up be like, "You think you're original saying that? Why do you say that?" Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But "juicy" is kind of that word. That word for me, in a way, like "juicy." You want that on your butt? Like, I, I don't know. It's yeah. Like, not a great word, in my opinion. I don't know. No, I I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very graphic word. Another random thing, just really quick, because uh, I also saw apparently this song originally existed without the Kanye verse, right? And then he added a Kanye verse to it because he liked it so much, and that I could not find anywhere. Oh, the Did version I, without him. Uh, yeah, the, the original version of the song, which because uh, if you look online, this is credited as a remix. Right, it's with Kanye is a remix, but if there is an original version of this song floating, I scoured YouTube. I could not find any reference to that. That uh, other than seeing it written online, I could not find audio of that original version of the song. Which again, I'm I'm fascinated by. I don't know the story here. If there's like I don't know if there's some record label issue or something happened that this thing or i'm just like i have overestimated how many people have heard this song i don't know i'm gonna be i'm curious to see like when this episode drops how many people out there actually are with me and uh fondly remember this track ever wonder what a punch from elton john feels like or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in nirvana or what signal keith richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! I'm also looking at Kanye's verse, and this is like peak Kanye on the way that he does his rhyme scheme through his verse is very interesting. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah. was it's... This motherfucker jamming, I'm on it, it's an anthem. Who is that in the Phantom? Please note cameras. And then cameras <laughs> changes the rhyme scheme at that part to they they gone have me on concrete loop in my pajamas to hide the good I'd need pants as big as hammers. I'd be tipping them dancers. They be saying that I'm handsome. 
but then this line doesn't this this one throws off the rhyme scheme again. I was pretty before the dough and now I'm just the man. And then he completely changes the rhyme scheme at the very end with just <laughs> you remind me of my old chick on that 84 shit. Oh shit, did you see the way she got her toes did? Like he would just completely change up and flip everything that he was doing in the middle of verses and I think that that's one of the many things that people remember about him as a rapper at at his peak. <laughs> Like, yeah, absolutely. He was just so um so cool and confident all the time. He just like it, you never like it, he was hard to not respect, especially at that point, right? He was just he felt like so prolific and everything he put out just felt like it was of such high quality that it was just like my god, man, he is just crushing every release. At least for yeah. again, like you said Chris, for years. Yeah. yeah. He's made he, it a lot easier to not respect in the last couple of years. He, he definitely, so, yeah. He would so confidently <laughs> deliver some of the dumbest lines. That's and it. Yeah, he, exactly. And he would make them awesome because he didn't give a fuck, you know? And totally, I think totally, th- yeah. that's what I, I really loved. I, I thought not only was he one of the greatest producers making some of the greatest music, but I also thought as a rapper, he was amazing. Oh, that, he could totally. He's yeah. the only one who could make that Happy Gilmore "You eat pieces of shit for breakfast" verse exactly. work. <laughs> that like, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is the perfect <laughs> example of quoting an Adam Sandler Happy Gilmore reference <laughs> in your line <laughs> and making it cool somehow. You know, in a rap song, that's that's a perfect example. In one of his biggest hits, he threw that in. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. It doesn't even flow well. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, nothing about it works, but it works. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I did have a game that I lined up for you guys. It's a, it's almost like it's going to be almost like Family Feud, right? Great. So we said that this peaked on the Billboard Hot Singles chart, which we explained is based on physical singles sold. So I wrote down what the five best selling physical singles of all time were. And I want to see if you can nail all five of them. Of all time. Of all time. Physical singles. So we're talking about like cassette singles and maxi singles on CD and and records and everything. Oh, 45. Yeah, from the history of music. I want to hold your hand. No. Okay. I think I might have one because I feel like I remember this being a fact. Is one of them Candle in the Wind? Candle in the Wind, 1997, and Something the Way You Look Tonight, Elton John, the double A side, is the second best-selling single wow. of all time with 33 million sold. So Matt is on the board. Pass it back oh, over to Chris. Um, there's got to be a, a, a Michael Jackson something. Could it be? You're probably, yeah. Could it be? I don't know why Why I want to go with this. Could it be Beat It? Michael Jackson did not make the top wow. five. Oh man, uh, God, I'm trying to think of singles. Like, this is so hard. Because it is. Because I feel like the trick here is that it was there was that period in the '90s where it, like, physical media was like booming so hard. I will tell you this: there's only one other song from the '90s in the top five. Okay, all right. I'm going to guess another one from the '90s that I remember being a huge single, which was. I'll be missing you. Ooh, very close, but no. (laughs) All right, Chris, your last chance before Matt gets the win with one correct. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be something from the 80s, and it has to be something that people weren't buying the whole album. Like, I was like, okay, could it be George Michael? But no, people would have bought the whole George Michael album. You got to think older than this, dude. Think think the whole plethora of 1940s all the way up until today. Oh, we are going back that far, Matt? Uh, Yeah, it it is of all time. Uh, Hound Dog? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but Elvis was number six with It's uh, Now or Never. He did okay. not crack the top five. Right. With It's Now or Never was number six? That was the best-selling Elvis physical single. See, who in the world could ever have guessed that? That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. All right, you ready, you ready for the other I'm four? I'm impressed you got one. Yeah. Wait, l- uh, let me get one more guess, because right. I, I, I right. think I'm entitled to one more guess. All right. <laughs> I will always love you. Number five with 20 million wow. records sold. That was Damn, the other good, 90s man. one. I just thought of it because that's that was a soundtrack song. That's yeah. why I thought maybe people would buy the single right. and not the soundtrack. Good call. Two of these make sense, and one of them, I uh, Wikipedia even kind of disputed it a little bit. <laughs> but number four was Bill Haley in the Comets with Rock Around the Clock with okay, over 25 sure. million records sold. The one that Wikipedia is disputing is Mongo Jerry in the Summertime with 30 million Whoa. copies sold. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then the number one, this is a great bar trivia fact if you ever need one. Bing yeah. Crosby, White Christmas, the greatest selling physical single uh, of all time with 50 million copies sold. That's it amazing. Has, it has been said that every household had two copies of that single because it came out in the middle of World War II and that the families who were missing their kid at war bought a copy and the kid who was missing his family back home bought a copy. Uh, but yeah, because it, it's a song about missing your family and wanting to go yeah. back to have a white Christmas together. So that that's is a great a, fact, and that makes a lot of sense. And I would have never thought of that. Oh yeah, that that was really only a far man, off my radar. But that's only great. a man who hosts a Christmas podcast could have that factoid <laughs> locked in his brain. <laughs> the, the, the music, the music, the the. The music knowledge contained in the three guys sitting here right now <laughs> is insane. The amount yeah, that, of, that was very impressive of music podcasts and stuff. I'm impressed you got two of those. Actually, I, I mean, I, you know what? Honestly, I am too. Especially when you said I want to hold your hand, and Matt was like, "Not even close." I was like, "Oh shoot, this yeah. is gonna be <laughs> the only one." I had a memory in my head of "Candle in the Wind" because I remember when that came out. That was like the biggest deal in the world, and that right. was a time where people were buying CD singles. Like that must have been the peak for a CD single. Well, and that in, like, wasn't available 90s. on anything else. That was an example exactly, of exclusivity. Yeah. You could only if you yeah. wanted the '97 Princess Di version of "Candle in the Wind." He didn't put it on an album. It was only on that single, as That's like right. its double A side. So, because my mom even had that. My mom didn't oh, buy I, singles yeah, often, no. but she had that. <laughs> so. That was that was in my house growing up as well. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bringing it back to Kid Sister here. Around the time that this song hit that number twenty-one on the singles chart, I looked at what was. On the Billboard Hot 100 that month, I think it was May 2008, and it was a rough time for the <laughs> charts. I got to tell you, the number one song was "Bleeding Love" by Leona Lewis. You know that one? I don't oh know. yeah, We're sure. Bleeding, keep, keep bleeding love. Number two was lo- "Lollipop" from Lil Wayne. Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> "Love in This Club," Usher. And Young All Jeezy, right. which that song's okay. Four Minutes from Madonna featuring Justin Timberlake and Timbaland. Ooh. Touch My Body from Mariah Carey. Some some of these I kind of mm. like. Pocket Full of Sunshine by Natasha Bedingfield. That's an all right song. Love Song from Sarah Bareilles. That's all right. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was her debut. Yeah, there was lots of Chris Br- lots of Chris Brown songs off the charts at this I was time. Say, 2007 go, is heavy Chris Brown time. Woof. Totally. I mean, Forever With You. She had He had a song called No Air, which was a duet with Jordan Sparks, which I don't remember. Vaguely remember that, but I yeah, I, and, I don't remember the melody, but I remember the name. And speaking See, this, of the charts being rough at this time, there was 
Rascal Flats and Kenny Chesney, <laughs> and it was just uh, the coolest song I saw on there. Matt Kelly will appreciate was Handlebars by Flowbots was like in the Hell, '60s somewhere. Yes. Oh um, yeah. But in general, it was a little bit of a rough time. Yeah, I thought, this this is the time charts. I've referenced this a couple times, but like this era specifically, I would say from 2005 until 2011, maybe. Like, I wasn't listening to the radio, but I was listening to stuff like Girl Talk and Super Mash Brothers. And that's where I kind of knew any of the big radio singles. That's how I knew stuff like Lip Gloss or or like half of the Usher songs because or uh, Kid Chris Brown songs because they were so the Chris Brown songs had really good beats to them. Like Forever has a great beat. I feel like that's the only reason why that song is as popular as it is. And yeah. then like lip gloss it's like whatever the beat is very simple but like it's such a catchy repetitive thing that then like having DJs go well what if we put the forever beat underneath like lip gloss or like whatever their mashups were at that time like that was the only way that any of that kind of broke through to someone like me who really wasn't listening to the radio anymore so that's what I connect so many whenever we get into this specific like five to six year gap I feel like I'm always referencing girl talk but that is how I discovered almost all of these songs yeah I love <laughs> like, that you're referencing girl talk because that was the thing like when he started to do those mixtapes or mashups or whatever you would call them it was such an that those things absolutely blew my mind and I agree with you I don't think that this track made it into one of his no, mixes but, but he did that amazing thing that just is a testament to this time period really of like somehow it's all he made you feel like it was all disposable and yet all also disposable and interchangeable but yet all also so worth celebrating yes like it was so celebratory of the whole thing and it was just such like a joyful thing to listen to while at the same time kind of pointing out the obvious thing to you which is that all of these parts are interchangeable dude, and it doesn't really matter like that where they go is like it's okay dude when he put he put little mama lip gloss over top of the breakdown in metallica one and it sounded yeah. so fucking good it was like that type of stuff where it's like oh it's not about I, I don't find mashups interesting when it's just like we're gonna take this beat and this song and just put them on top of each other and see that it syncs up but it's like finding those like little seconds where it's like this 15 second moment and this 15 second moment are going to sound great on top of each other. And then we're going to yeah. change it entirely in the next 20 seconds. Exactly. You can't get bored of it. It moves too fast to get bored of. Exactly. All right. Yeah. So Kid Sister, where are we landing, though, on the grand scheme of well, Thunder back or Blunder? Up, back up. Back uh -oh. up. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> more I to thought, say. Yes. I, I have a lot more to say about Kid Sister because I thought maybe knowing that Mr. Matthew Milligan is also a music nerd as me and Matt Kelly are, I thought that the reason you chose this was because of her recent output, which apparently you're not too familiar with. Well, so else. I did look and I saw that she put out a new song in, I think it was 2019. Right. I okay. saw that there was a single and yes. I did go to YouTube and looked up a video, but I don't know any more than that. Okay. Well, here's what I'll tell you. She, I went through the YouTube journey of her career, and there's a lot of other upbeat, like this this style of music we're talking about. It's like upbeat, danceable, pop, rap. And, yeah. and I kind of liked it. I thought it was 
pretty okay. She did like a collaboration with Riff Raff at some point called Hide and Seek. It wasn't very good. No, uh, that one I didn't like. No. But I but like the she, song Mickey on that same record. But she kept releasing music, and the song Matt Milligan's referring to is a song called Long Way Back, released in 2019. It's like a very soulful song. There's no rapping in it. It is like singing. It's, no, it's, it's, a, like, it's a ballad, yeah. Yeah. And why I thought you brought them up is because Kid Sister is a member of SALT, spelled S-A-U-L-T. Are you familiar with SALT? You know, I'm not. I, I saw that on the Wikipedia, but I did not know what that well, meant. Well, get this. I am so glad we did this episode for me to discover SALT, because <laughs> SALT is a British music collective which was started by the producer Inflow, who's known for his work with Little Sims. Little Sims is awesome. If you haven't listened to Little Sims, she's amazing. Adele, Jungle, and Cleo Soul. And Salt has this sort of buzz, like a lot of buzz. I'm talking from all the cool, you know, the pitchforks and the whatever of, of the world. Everyone knows about Salt. Salt is like, mm. it's, it's got that kind of Frank Ocean energy where everyone was like buzzing about Frank Ocean when he first uh, came around. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just releasing these albums. Salt have never played a live show, never done an interview, never released an actual music video. People have done like music videos to their songs, but they've never released a music video. There is a big list of unnamed collaborators that are involved on the albums and people like allude to the fact that like oh there's like the biggest artists in the world are involved in these salt albums but they don't say who it who it is inflow the producer inflow has been called a young quincy jones and they have in the past couple years they've released salt has released like five albums the only members of salt that are listed are inflow cleo soul and kid sister and wow. when you listen to it man these albums, I was listening to them for hours this morning. They're unbelievable. They're like retro soul, dance, funk, disco, R&B. You know, there's there's interludes. They're like, it is so up my alley of like something <laughs> I would love. They've released five albums in four years. One of them, which I really love this one song called Bitter Streets. It's from this album called Nine. They released the album and only... They were like, we're putting this album out, and it's only going to be out for 99 days. Then we're pulling it. Now, you, oh, can still, wow. you can still find it on YouTube. All of the albums are just black covers with like the, the name of the yeah, yeah, title yeah. of the album on it. And it is like one of the coolest projects that I've seen in a long time. Like, you got to check out Salt. I didn't Man, know about I was it. Not hit, I was not hip to this at all. I'm so, so glad that you you did the research and got to this point because I was going to say, I was really kind of sad that it looked to me, I mean, based on just searching for kid sister's name, that she completely fell off. I mean, that Dude. she put out one follow-up single in 2019. That's kind of like you said, like a ballad, kind of like a Neo soul ballad. And I listened to a bunch of it. I don't think I even got through the whole thing, to be honest with you. I'm like, this is fine. It's pretty, but it's just not like right. exactly my thing. So I am so happy to hear that she is like doing cool shit. Dude, um, it is. Because... It is a, that what I heard. It's like along the line of pushing the boundaries in the way that like Kendrick Lamar has done in recent years. Yeah. And, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, just such a cool listen. Like I, the fact that she went from pro nails to being, 
involved yeah. in this salt just shows like how far she has come as an artist to, to that she's one of the three people listed on this project when you listen yeah, that's to it crazy. man it's gonna i think you're gonna love it i can't I really wait think i'm so happy to hear this i'm so happy to hear this i really thought like you know i mean this is a story we've heard before like i thought she got signed to some deal related to kanye and then like it went south and she got kind of stuck in like a label purgatory. You know, these stories happen all the time where like she had more music, but they weren't interested in releasing it because the album didn't do as well as they hoped. Um, so the fact that she's still out there um, making interesting music, that makes me very, very happy. I definitely am going to listen to Salt as soon as we're done with this. I, I was inspired by the fact that Salt does this thing where they make this music, they put it out and they don't feel the pressure or maybe that's part of their their whole thing to get people to listen. I don't know, but they make music that's so good and they don't feel the pressure to be like, we got to make a TikTok for every one of these. We got to make 10 TikToks yeah. <laughs> for every one of these. We got to, we got to make a post on every, you know, it, when in a world where trying to figure that stuff out, like 24 seven can drive you mad. Oh, I thought yeah. this was such a cool approach and to just totally. let, the, let the music speak for itself. And uh, it's real, it's real heady. A lo- lot of commentary, on the world yeah. you know a lot of, well lot and of, about it's, it's, it's about great. that i mean if matt will allow us the extra 10 15 minutes i think the the patreon uh if you hop over to patreon.com backslash oht podcast uh maybe we can get a little bit of the insights of the non-stop headache that is probably having tiktok blowing up on your phone for a month. <laughs> yeah i can do that i can do that <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to that we gotta we gotta make the final judgment call on on kid sister is she a thunder is she a blunder where where are we leaning here well you guys go ahead you guys go ahead well, I, I mean, I'll go first because I rec- I suggested this track because I I love this track. To me, again, like in terms of this time period and this type of music, I just this hits. The, I just this is so much fun, and this is the sort of thing that like I can play. I don't know. I, I this is just the hook is so infectious to me. The whole song I think is so great. The production I love, and I'm so glad to know more now. I mean, I'm I'm assuming based on Chris's recommendation, I'm going to hear Salt and also flip out. <laughs> Because yeah. it sounds like I'm going to totally flip out. So, I, I, yeah, no, I'm saying Thunder for sure. And I'm very glad to know that, like, now with Kid Sister, you have an option where if you want to listen to something classy and smart and thoughtful, you can go to Salt. And if you want to, uh, you know, uh, dance around the house holding a wine cooler, you can listen <laughs> to Pro Nails and feel really good about it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm also going to agree with you on this. I I actually kind of felt... I won't say mediocre, but I, I wasn't blown away by Pro Nails, but a lot of the other songs I really liked, Get Fresh, Right Hand High, like a lot of these other songs I thought were just as fun and good and like songs that I'm like, I'll listen to this again. Like it, it's not like sure. I'm one and done with Kid Sister and I'm very curious to actually check out the Salt stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give this a thunder. I think that I think that Kid Sister might be a prime example of what this podcast is is designed to discover. In all honesty, is like absolutely. Hey, this person that you either never heard of or vaguely only know for one song has this fascinating post hit career going on. Um, I would say that Pro Nails. I thought it was okay. I probably wouldn't have ever listened to it again. Uh, and I like a lot of these older songs. They were, to me, in my opinion, they were so close, like so close to being something I liked, but there was just something missing 
in them. It was like the style I liked, but maybe I needed the ridiculousness of a Kanye West or something to push mm. him over the top or I, I don't know what it was, but the fact that I discovered salt because of this <laughs> episode and to know that she could go from this kind of like silly, goofy music of the, you know, 2008, 2009 era, uh, to making something that is pushing boundaries and so, so cool, in my opinion, as someone who's a fan of like what that is. Yeah, I would give her thunder. I love that she stuck with it to the point where now she's making her best stuff ever. I think that's yeah. that's inspiring. I mean, I, I think it's her best stuff ever. Yeah, for sure. And Matt, yeah. before we sign off, what are what else you got going on besides being on One Hit Thunder? <laughs> uh, well, I host a podcast called the Weird Algorithm Podcast, where we're talking about Weird Al songs, uh, every single one of them, uh, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. And it's also, um, it's actually been really nice. I've been hearing great feedback from people who have been saying, like, I have some people who are listening to it who are not even really Weird Al fans, but have been saying how much they've enjoyed learning, like, our tangent stories about the B-52s <laughs> and other artists who Al has parroted. Like, because we wind up talking about all these different things because Al's references are just everywhere. And uh, so I think even if you're not, like, a hardcore Weird Al fan, you really might get... Uh, some uh, some pleasure out of listening. So uh, check that out. I am also uh, in the band Weedus still. We are doing a tour of the Midwest this October and November, going through Chicago, Denver, Fort Wayne, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Nice. In Pittsburgh. Nice. Uh, at Club Cafe on November 5th. I will be there. Um, for any Pittsburgh, obviously you're on the list, Chris. Obviously. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so <laughs> check out Weedus.com for dates. If you live in America in those areas, uh, come check it out. It should be fun. And yeah, good luck uh, trying to avoid our song on TikTok for at least a little while longer. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Cephalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing the Punchline song Whatever I Want, Whenever I Want off their album Delightfully Pleased. Visit punchlion.com for merch, tour dates, and news. Also, we're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future episodes at patreon.com backslash OHTpodcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris or myself at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. Geekscape Network. Who out there? Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. 
We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.